Hello, everybody, and welcome to Eurochat. This is episode six of European United's podcasts. Uh, my name is Ken Sweeney, and with me I have Ben Hall. How are you, Ben? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Ken. And I have Stella Bass as well. You might remember Stella from our European podcast when we were over in the uh, European Parliament. Now, Stella took a little bit of advice from Kieran Cuff. She came back the long way. <laughs> Really, you took the train back. <laughs> I cycled home. I cycled back. I didn't cycle she home. went back by a bus, train, I cart. So you're back feet. now? I don't. <laughs> She's back now. That's four weeks. So, I'm Kieran, just, I still have my Kieran, that's not exactly me. working out. We wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Seriously, Stella, how have you been? I'm good. All been good. Yeah, good too. And now that we're the home straight of these elections, it's uh, it's good to be chatting. And let's see what the next. Uh, week six seven days brings. yeah that's exactly right guys we're going to be focusing on the european elections uh of course uh, there's only a week or so to go and we're going to be talking about that tonight we'll also be talking going local uh we are based in here in ireland so we decided to have a look at local candidates here <laughs> there's a few few things we can talk about um we have the usual suspects and then we've got a few crazy ones that we're going to have a look at and see how they're getting on i'm sure it's the same all over europe so when we have the podcast up on our website and on our Facebook page. Maybe you can let us know if there's anything interesting out there as well. We'll start off with a little bit of news. I think Guy Verhofstadt is in Dublin in the next week or so. Is that right, Ben? No, actually, he he was meant to be uh, speaking at the IIEA oh, and right, it, got so it, it got cancelled due canceled. to medical reasons. So he's or got maybe to no one was willing to pay the 50 euros that <laughs> he was looking for. <laughs> Very possibly. But yeah, do you have, I think you have some good news and better news that we should start off with, Did don't I? you, Ken? Well, go on, tell me what was going on. Didn't uh, you just get something called the Communicating Europe Initiative? Some, uh, so they've yes, we given did. you a little bit of uh, bread or something, haven't they? Yes, we did. Um, Con- yeah. Consider- considering it's Eurovision week, I'm going to sing money, money, money. <laughs> a little bit of <laughs> We don't like to much. see it as money. We like to see it as prestige. As is more of a better no, thing in fairness, it is. It's great. Yes, we did. We got, uh, we got awarded a uh, grant for the Communicating Europe. It's a very, very big thing for us because we've been working for a long time since 2016 uh, against the odds, to be honest. Um, we're a volunteer group mm-hmm. and uh, all of our people are volunteers. And a bet, now we're not just Irish people from across the broad, uh, all across Europe. So yeah, it was great. And um, we applied for it and it's going to get a long way to helping us, you know. I'm delighted for all the team because we've all, we've all worked very hard. Stella, um, myself, and of course you're coming on board, whether you like it or not. We've so locked the doors. <laughs> so you're going nowhere. So uh, yeah, but you're in JCO. You know how hard it is for a volunteer organisation mm. to work. So yeah, but as soon as I heard there was money involved, got straight in there. But uh, I'm sure I'm not going to see any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it goes towards a few things, and um, it'll help us to uh, do these podcasts as well. So uh, yeah, and it's great to have the support of the Irish government as well because um, they're 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 brilliant at that. I'm not afraid to say that the Irish government is really good at supporting local projects here. Um, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but applying here in Ireland is is very easy and the communication actually is between um, small organizations like us and the Irish government is, is relatively easy um, you can literally knock on the door that seems to be a very Irish thing of just being able to go up to a minister and just say hi how are you doing well, <laughs> I need to chat that, to you about something that is actually quite true mm. and I, I'm not afraid to say that. And it happens in most... I don't know what it, whether it's, it's the same in, in, in other departments that we wouldn't have anything to do with. I don't know whether it's the case in the Department of Agriculture or whatever, something like that. But with, with the Department of Foreign Affairs, I, I was at an event, which actually I think was the Communicating Europe event, that were events that were being held across uh, the country there a year or two ago. Uh, part of the wheel were organising it. Miss McEntee was there. I walked up, I handed my card, I asked, could I have a meeting with her? And I think within the space of two or three weeks, I was in her office talking to her about Europe United, you know, and then she let us know about the Communicating Europe uh, initiative. We applied for it last year. We weren't really ready for it because mm. we didn't really have an idea or a concept that we were that able to... The, the, yeah, the, yeah, the we, we, we kind of just funding. said, well, you know what, we had an idea, it wasn't a great idea. 
we put it forward. It was kind of just to let them know, hey, we're here. And um, this year we had something a little bit more solid, which is this, the Eurochat. And we, we put this forward and... You know, this is this is our concept. We're, this is the prototype. Um, we're focusing on the on the European elections. But once the elections are over, I think we're going to be looking at more of a local edge of it. We're going to be mm. interviewing organisations that are based here in Ireland, who have fu- benefited that from have benefited exactly funding. from the European funding yeah. and also European initiatives and so on. So yeah, and it's going to be Fantastic. running for a while. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's great, and we couldn't do it without their help. Yeah. So you know, uh, there especially it's difficult for media organisations to be separate, but. You know, we're we're a volunteer group, so we're a little bit different. We're not we're not uh, the Irish Independent or something like that. So we don't so have, a gen- have an agenda. As such. No, we can be we can be just yeah, and we're not reporting the news. Yeah. You know, we're we're out there. We're going to be letting people know just how important uh, European funding it is, and it's not just about say getting funding like for big or big companies or big farmers or whatever like that. That those myths out there. It's like the local school or it's the local Library football or club. Like yeah, that. or the yeah. local pl- getting a mm. playground. And that's that's what we're going to be looking at. It's stuff where people wouldn't be able to to avail of um, safety equipment and things like that. So we're going to be looking at those initiatives. We're working with a couple of other organizations like the Wheel hopefully and see if we can uh, if we can get you know good sources and we'll we'll get out there. We have the equipment. We can do the podcast on site and we'll be bringing that back and we'll be putting it in the podcast and interviewing people. So that'll be part of our con- communicating initiative, and uh, we'll Fantastic. see how that goes. It'll be and it's never ending as well because we have the equipment here. So even after the the initiative is gone, we'll continue to do the podcast. So hopefully, yeah. it gives Fantastic. a chance to build. You know, as I said, this this new podcast is such a new concept for us, but already we're looking forward to doing the as the more local initiatives, and let's see where we can go with it. Yeah, well, the podcast and for me, the podcast was an idea to build alongside of the the publishing of our articles. Mm. They go perfectly hand in hand. And the, the beauty is it is that we our writers can get involved as well because you're putting a voice to the writers not only on the page, but you now you're actually giving the opportunity for the writers to speak as well. And the technology is available now that the writers can come on Skype or on the phone and they can literally talk about their articles or talk about other things that they've written. And also maybe there are people out there who can't or don't want to write but also want to speak. And we can bring in a whole new audience and a whole new level of, of people who want to be involved in in europe and in ireland especially as well Mm. because at the end of the day we're an irish organization and we would love to have more people who are interested in europe being involved in ireland so hopefully that that's great but again we couldn't do that in this is a great startup for us and that's exactly what communicating europe initiative is for it's to enable organizations like us to get a foot up you know so cool so we're looking forward to that it's very exciting for us so brilliant yeah well congratulations thank you very much great achievement yeah We'll be, we'll, you know, we're on the road now. We're like, <laughs> a, we're like a little. We're the empire now, you know. That's it. Ain't no stopping us now. Right. So we move on for that little self plugging. <laughs> I think what we're going to do is we, uh, we were out on the streets there a few weeks ago. We had it in our last podcast. We actually interviewed a few people uh, with regards to the European elections. So we interviewed them and we kept a couple of recordings back for this podcast. We are going to play them now for you. And you can have a listen to this. We got there are three people. We have one girl and two guys. Uh, one girl is Romanian and then two Irish lads. And completely different answers we got. So I'd like you all to have a listen to this and then we maybe have a chat without that and see what we think. So guys, take a listen to this. This is a couple of interviews we did on the street just about the European elections, what people's ideas are about them and if they're going to vote and what they think. And then we'll have a quick chat about that afterwards. Are you aware on May 24th that we have the European Parliament elections? I am not, no. Okay, so now that you are aware, are you think you're going to vote? Mm, probably not. Why not? I have never actually voted in my life. 
and um, I don't know, it's not like I'm planning to actually do it now. Okay, so by not voting, do you think that you're making a difference or not making a difference? Probably not making a difference, but like I've never actually thought about it. I mean, it's just me, one person. It's not like I actually will make a difference, but then again, I think there are tons of people like me so maybe we could make a difference by voting i'm not too sure do you do you feel though that the european union is important to you or do you just not really mind it at this stage it is important to me i'm not irish i'm from romania so yes it is important to me are you aware on may 24th that the european elections are taking place Uh, i am thank you yeah yeah. and will you be voting on that day Uh, i will yeah vote for everything are the ep elections relevant to you they are yeah yeah i would say they are yeah yeah do you feel european when you're voting in the european elections I feel European even when I'm not voting, yeah, yeah. And do you think that the European elections have a real impact or importance in citizens' lives? Uh, I think they do, I think because of the coalitions that they've built in the European Parliament. So so the Green Party might be a minority in Ireland, but they coalesce in the European Parliament and form a larger group with a bigger say, so I think they do, yeah. And what do you expect from a future European Parliament? I'm sorry, I know that's a loaded general question, but... Yeah, I suppose I, I would hope in the face of Brexit, um, greater, well, increase and greater continued cooperation, um, and I suppose a better um, good news for for everyone in Europe. I suppose just um, yeah, it's a difficult time, I suppose, for for Europe. Given the fact that Britain is probably going to stay for a good few months longer, it means that they're most likely going to have European Parliament elections, which means they'll have MPs, MEPs in there. Does that trouble you? It, it, it doesn't. I think um, I think they have to be there. I think I think lawfully they have to be there. Um, I think they will disrupt, but um, I think they're causing enough. And they have between um, UKIP, they're causing enough disruption anyway. And I think um, Europe are used to it. And um, and when they're gone, they're gone. With regards to Brexit, um, do you feel that there's a possibility that somebody else could do it, or do you think Brexit has been the ultimate uh, anti-leave pill in Europe? Um, I think it will be probably a long time before um, anyone tries it again um, and it's taken a lot of time I mean it, it, Brexit didn't happen uh, since the election it's been happening in Britain for um, f- for a number of decades really so um, I think it's been a long drawn out process um, and while a lot of people are maybe wary of Europe um, I think leaving it is um, it's a huge step, as we, as we found out. A recent poll, actually, and a number of polls over the last couple of years have suggested that Ireland is very pro-European. The last poll actually came up as high as 92%. Do you think that's, uh, that, do you think that's quite realistic? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Even given the fact that in 2008 <laughs> we would have been, you know, uh, had a visit from, say, the, the Troika and there would have been a lot of anti-European feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure what we, how, how we would have done w- without Europe, um, inverted commas, commas, backing us and supporting us but um you know i do remember growing up and driving around the country and every road and every uh, and was was bit by the ec money and I, I back in the early 90s i got a free third level education thanks to the um european community so um i think we've, we it's easy now forget the impact that um the eu or the ec had on ireland and i think um I think a lot of people in England also forget um, their position before they joined the um, EU as well. And then my last question is that, do you think that Brexit has made Irish people more informed about Europe in general? Uh, I think it has, yeah, and I think um, even in irony, um, I think it has in the UK. I think they'll have probably have the biggest European um, election turnout, um, despite it probably being their last. Thank you very much. Thanks. 
So, are you aware on May 24th that there's the European Parliamentary elections going on? I hadn't a clue, to be honest. Okay, so now you know. Do you intend to vote? Um, probably not. I actually haven't voted before. Okay, may I ask why? Uh, I trust everybody else to vote on my behalf because I don't know too much about it and it's not something, politics is something I'm not really interested in to be honest. Okay, are you interested in Europe in politics or in culture or anything like that? Yeah, I do a bit of travelling, yeah, so. Okay, so would you say that you would consider yourselves, yourself a European citizen? I would, yeah. And in terms of being a European citizen, would you say that you're in favour of the European Union? Uh, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Okay, so overall you'd support the idea of a European Parliament? Yeah. But you wouldn't vote? Probably not, no. Unless we were voting to like go, get out of the European Union. Okay, so that would be important That'd to you. Be important to me, yeah. Okay, so to let you know, this year what's going to happen is the British are going to be in the Parliament for the next year. So what's happened is they are going to go in at the expense of two extra Irish politicians that would have been in. Now it's most likely that there's going to be a heavy uh, Brexit contingent in the European Parliament which means that they're going to be causing a lot of trouble and they're going to be making life very difficult for the Irish as well as the Brits uh, sorry as well as the Dutch and the Belgians the French and all would that make you consider voting? Probably only because if they voted to leave the the European Union I I think there's just too much dilly-dallying going about What they could also do is they could also disrupt a lot of processes going through Even though they're leaving Yes Yeah that, that probably would make me that probably would kind of give me a kick up the, the ass. Jacob Rees-Mogg said that he plans to go in and cause as much trouble as possible for the year that they're there. Well then, absolutely. Okay, so let's imagine that you do decide to go in. Would you vote for a local party or would you try and find out as more as possible about... Uh, if, yeah, since it's the first time voting, I definitely would put some, put some kind of research in and, and find the best vote for me. Okay, so just with regards to... Uh, Voting. Have you heard of the following blocks or entities? The European People's Party. No. The Alliance of Liberals and Social Democrats. No. The Progressive Alliance of Socialists and... No. no. The Democrats. Shall I go on? <laughs> the European Conservatives and Reformists. No. The European United Left, Nordic Green Left. No. And the European Greens. Come on. Yeah, no. Okay, <laughs> you're honest. Fair enough. Okay, just to let you know, the European People's Party, they have Fine Gael in them. The Alliance of Liberals and Social Democrats, or ALDE for short, not ALDE, uh, they have Fianna Fáil in them. Uh, the Progressive Alliance and Social and Socialists and Democrats, they have Labour if they were in. And then the Conservatives and Reformers, well, we don't really have right-wing parties in Ireland, but if we did, they would be in them. Uh, and then the European, European United Left, Nordic Green Left have Sinn Féin. And then the Greens would obviously have Air Greens in them as well. So they are actually supranational parties that air parties will join once they go into the parliament. Just to give you an idea though, they can be quite complicated. For example, the European People's Party have Fine Gael in them, who at the moment has Leo Varadkar's Taoiseach, who is a gay, uh, very progressive, and um, the man who brought in marriage rights and abortion. They also have Viktor Orban. Have you heard of Viktor Orban? No. Okay, Viktor Orban is Hungary's leader. Um, He's quite a far-right leader, who would want to, say, restrict freedom of press, restrict women's rights, uh, bring in, uh, you know, he would want to stop abortion and so on. He's also in that party. So um, would that make you say, would that influence you in terms of going to the voting pool? Probably because it's just so, some of the members are just so far apart in what they, what they think and believe. Yeah. So do you think that it's very important then that there's much information out there as possible when you're voting? Yeah, absolutely. 
And do you think there's a responsibility for the likes of Fine Gael to give that information? I think so. Or the responsibility of the people to look in deeper. So there you have it, guys. That was the interviews. Uh, what did you actually think of that, lads? Quite a cross-section of, uh, of opinions, weren't there? Um, obviously, the, f- the First Lady not so engaged in terms of voting, and yet, yet obviously very pro-European with, with, with her lifestyle and, and obviously, you know, living in a, another country. So that, I have to say, that always does fascinate me about people who don't think that maybe they can make an impact when, as I said, if one million people who didn't vote because they thought they couldn't make an impact, if they actually voted, what an impact that would be. Yeah, I, I thought it was great, actually. You managed to somehow find people from across the entire spectrum. So someone who's completely disengaged, someone who's very engaged, and then someone you managed to bring from being disengaged into hopefully voting next week. I guess that was by accident, but we went to Stephen's Green, so obviously you get a lot of different type of people, and we deliberately went to Stephen's Green for that. Mm-hmm. The first lady and this last lady guy were a couple. So she was Romanian, he was Irish, which I think is brilliant, because that sums up the European Union in a sense that those people probably would have never met. The First Lady was probably, obviously, in some senses, was a beneficiary of freedom of movement. But at the same time, she came across as maybe, in some ways, glad that she's away from Romania. (laughs) Yes, yeah. But she may not be so, you know, she may be more sentimental and may may want to go back to Romania maybe in 20 years' time when Romania hopefully will benefit from European Union membership. That's the hope. Mm -hmm. But right now, she's probably saying, I don't really care too much about Romania. Yeah, there is still a big brain drain from them. They are still one of the poorest, I think, one of the poorest countries in the EU, if not the poorest. I think Bulgaria Mm. might be um, the poorest. Oh, they're the two. They are the two. Yeah, they're the two. And they are... There is a huge uh, difficulty there for them, and you so see she's a lot probably of just kind of saying, "Oh, look, uh, she's uh, hands, you know, she's giving it the hand, so to speak." Mm. You know, she's saying, oh, "I don't care. I've got a nice life here. That's fine." And yeah, I'm not she, it, it's kind of transposing to everything about yeah. that politics. Yeah. You know, I'm just having a good time, sort of attitude. Yeah, but the thing I really liked about the last guy was that. I think he really highlighted what the main issue is with the European elections, and that's just simply a lack of awareness. Like, as soon as you told him. You know, you can vote on the 24th of May and there are all these issues that you can make a difference on. You know, there are people like Victor Orban, who's incredibly mm. right wing, is involved in the European Parliament. But by your voting, you can do something. It's like, oh, actually, yeah, I can do something. And I, I think that just really highlights the issue we've had. I found it throughout the, my time with uh, JCI Step Up for Europe campaign and with this time on voting campaign is that as soon as you tell young people, by the way, this election is happening, and by the way, here's some of the issues that are happening, like climate change is obviously a big one. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely I'll get out there and vote in it. Maybe you're not going to get them out to, to canvas or to really engage in it. Or I still get the impression, though, that I'd have to kind of walk them up to the door and say, now off you go. Yes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And he will do that. But I'd have to kind of ring him that morning. I'm coming in to pick you up. You Put know, your coat on. Yeah. Come on. It is very much, a, uh, I suppose it's a generation where you feel like you can do something by t- tapping like on your phone now. And I think Brexit suffered a little bit from that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you've got a whole generation used to being able to do, you know, they don't have to get up and go and order food. They can do that from their phone. They can mm. watch TV from their phone. They can do everything from their phone. Which, you, just stop you there, which, which means if people could vote from their app, he would vote. Probably. And I think you have a much higher level of voter engagement in uh, Estonia where you can vote from mm-hmm. your phone. So... I think. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, but you'd hope that would be the case. I think anyway. he would do that. Yes. Which is probably, in hindsight, if I'd have asked him that question, maybe he would have said, oh, yeah, mm. definitely do that. Yeah. No, people, uh, yeah. If, it, if there's anything politics teaches us, is that uh, I, idleness is the enemy of progress. Is that idleness? No. 
is that idle idleness though is that actually like do you should should you have to get up off your arse and go in and vote or if you could if you can vote by your your app is that the same thing like are you still kind of being an active voter ideally not but i think you need to motivate people to be and like yes in some way you can make things very easy like for example they've had a lot of success in in the uk putting exercise and here now they've uh, put exercise machinery into the park so when your kids are walking <laughs> yeah, and we you know it's, 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 it's right there They're brilliant yeah right you, it, you walk there so you actually get on and use it now maybe you know if you were going to the gym you'd use it for a lot longer and if you had a personal trainer yelling at you you'd do it for a lot longer and uh, and a lot better but at least you're making some small steps but you have to li- literally make it so easy for them that they can't but at the same time if you want to get the, the best results then you need to put in a little bit more effort so it's uh, i think although it would be great to see greater turnout by people being able to vote on their phone you would have there is something to be said for actually getting them to get out and get engaged because voting isn't everything it's obviously the first step but at the same time you then need people to continue to engage to continue to write to their MVP on issues to continue to be aware make themselves aware of the issues so that they are continuing so they know what to do to vote next time but also so that they are saying to someone look you're not doing enough in your current role do something more make sure the issues are being addressed the second guy was air generation summed up in one wasn't he Mm. Great to see, but there just isn't enough of him. But he's our like generation, you and I. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, kind of like that late nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties travel to fair bit. You and, know, and voting is just a thing that you do, and you don't yeah. think about getting up and having to go around to the local school to vote because that's just what you've always done. Reads the Irish Independent, but likes the Irish Times. Yeah. You know, RTE two. <laughs> <laughs> Network may, too. May, maybe graduating on bit, bit lyric, lyric sh- FM. Listen to Sean. Listen to Sean Moncrief. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's kind of like what I do. But it's bit. true. But it was hates Ivan Yates. But I think what 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 struck me about that, listening back to those uh, those people you interviewed, was the fact that there was somebody who was that engaged because you yeah, you, tend to, you tend to despair a little bit that people are going to not going to vote and uh, you're like oh get out of there. So for someone to be not o- not only so um so strong about voting and he said he'd always voted but that he knew exactly natural but the thing is a lot of people aren't and as you said the the younger that you know the 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 younger generation may not be as engaged which and it's a shame because on so many levels like be it on social media so much of the younger generation are so engaged and they're so into the but it's it's, unfortunately it's the old-fashioned thing of walking up and marking x is what impacts it in the well can i throw that conversation that question back to you two then because do you see or or do you feel you've seen the effects of voting over the time because i feel like that's one of the things that does seem to be missing from uh, young people engaging in in the elections is that they don't see the impact of their voting. It is a little bit more effort for them in a world where you have a million and one things to do. It, it can see them and you can do so much from your phone now. But do you uh, do you feel like you've seen the impact? You know, because I think that's one thing people take for granted now that they can travel to any country in the EU and just you know walk through the the passport control pretty pretty easily. They weren't there when they had to you know fight for all these things and they saw the evolution and the, they saw the thing being built. So yeah, essentially, do you feel like you've seen the impact of your votes you mean in a european context in a european context but i suppose i you know, don't we have think an i think older problem. people still just still call europe european union the ec <laughs> so <laughs> you know my dad today yeah and he was talking about the ec yeah, yeah i i exactly. think young people are just nonchalant about the european union they take everything for granted and older people still call mm-hmm. it the ec i think you're like my mother for example who's in her 80s said she's not voting because it's all about abortion so that's that's what that's the lack of education that's happening still. So you know, the the, the communication is terrible at the moment with with older people. They're just completely disconnected. 
there's just not this the, the, the whole the whole education part is still missing but having said that my mum still knows that there's an election going on and she's you know she's probably going to vote and she doesn't know what she's voting for so okay. it, it, it might be just too much going on on one day as well i i'm, I'm crazy i'm not crazy about this idea of being a local council election and i think that's very confusing the, as well the um the referendum yeah, that's where my mom's getting confused well, so because she doesn't know the difference. She thinks that it's it's something to do with abortion. And then when I explained to her that it's about marriage, she still said, oh, it's this marriage thing again. Because she's getting confused about that, you see. But she's getting, because she knows that there's been a marriage referendum and an abortion. So she thinks this is kind of like a rerun or something yeah. like that. I think there is a benefit, though, of having the local and the European elections, because at least if, if you're engaged on a local level, but not a European level, you'll go along and maybe you will fill in the European ballot yeah. oh, and, yeah, that, and vice versa. Don't so get me wrong, Ben, that, that, a, a makes perf- that makes perfect sense on paper. But my point is that I think it can be sensory overload for a certain segment of people, particularly older people. Have you ever spoken to uh, the Dutch about their voting system? Because as I understand, I have a friend who lives in the Netherlands now and he's, he's voted there and they don't use constituencies. They don't use local constituencies. So you get... Uh, a broadsheet newspaper essentially when you walk in and you have to tick um something like a hundred different things <laughs> to tell and and they will do multiple things at the same time but you, you don't vote you know you vote there's not like there's six candidates in your local area and you vote for one of them it is you vote for the whole country across everything oh, wow. I, my mum would kill me sure. if, she, if i asked her to do that but my, me and my friend who went to vote there he said literally you get a, a broadsheet and oh, no. you have to try and stretch it out and then read the whole thing and then, uh, and then that's take very the things that you're voting for how does anybody ever get elected in holland people you'd go to the ballot box and you go oh i I'm going, I need a cup of coffee. I need a cup of coffee. I can't do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know. And, and again, yeah, it, it, it makes sense in a way because when you have the constituency basis, you do get things being very locally focused, especially here in Ireland and, and to a certain extent mm-hmm. in, in the UK as well. So I can see the benefits of it being on a, a national basis, but I, I can't see anyone just walking in and seeing all that. They've got to read to be like, you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll just assume it's going to be fine and walk out again. It's a little daunting, isn't it? Even yes. for anybody who is engaged, it, it'd be sort of a... <laughs> I'm going to have to take an hour out of my morning we, to do this. I'm if we sum it. up, though, on that point about the, the, the interviews, it's always going to be 50-50, I think, mm-hmm. you know. And I think the, the, the stereotypical answers there are that young people generally have a lot more in their mind than voting. So if I was to give an answer about the this time of voting campaign, it's a little bit like the health system. They control as much money at it, but unless they have, um, they have a secret key to the success, it's always going to be very hard to convince young people to vote so the answer could be in maybe as we said getting them to use modern technology but mm-hmm. the fear is that modern technology can be, can hacked. be hacked yes so the answer is probably is that the technology is not as developed yet maybe it's not ready yet unfortunately so unfortunately it's a case it of might be just we've all got to get ha- boots, not, boots on the ground getting people out there yes uh, and uh, doing what we're box. doing if they had mm. more of maybe of what myself and christos did, done then they might get more people but again, what, what's probably missing as well, and I don't think they're allowed to do it anymore, is canvassers outside the door on the day of the election. They used to be able to do that years ago. You remember that, Sally? Yeah, yeah they have I to stay do. 50 feet away or something like that. Yeah. Well, they, so. they didn't have to do that 25, 30 years ago. Mm. You remember that? Mm. You'd be, still be getting leaflets. You remember when you to go them. to the polling booth, there'd be people right outside the school gate. Yeah. That's not allowed anymore. But that did work. Mm. You know, and the fellas going around with trucks and hell out hairs going, vote for this. That that's all gone. And I think that used to galvanize people. Like you guys going around in cars with, you know, hailers and bad songs yeah, playing out. You know, vote for Charlie yeah. Hoy. And I think a lot of that's <laughs> that's not around anymore. Um so it's all very kind of subtle and I don't think it's working. So maybe there needs to be you know, some kind of different version of that. Mm. But I think, I think social media now is almost so saturated. 
isn't yeah, it? There's Europe like, everybody against the has a million video, other things. Be it a video from the latest pop video, latest sports, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of got an election will be like, meh. Oh, but yeah. I but want if to I see. can walk up and convince two people, you know, that maybe it's a good idea to consider voting, well, then if some professional people can do it, maybe there might be some hope. Mm. I don't know. Like I say, I'm not a professional. What about mandatory voting as an idea? Mm. Don't do that in Australia. <laughs> don't like tell do in Australia, yeah. Yes. And you get Australia. fined yeah. if you don't. Good on the Aussies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how they track whether you voted or not, though, whether they actually go back through the electoral register. They give you a kick in the backside if you don't. <laughs> Isn't that what they do in The Simpsons? <laughs> 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 okay, listen, we'll leave it there. I think what we'll do is we'll move on um, to uh, our next uh, subject, which is the European presidential debate. Talking about the, the problem of participation, we obviously saw the presidential, the final uh, president of the European Commission or the, mm-hmm. the Spitzen candidate. They didn't mention happen. that word at all. They didn't. No, they're, they're trying to use a uh, lead candidate now because they realise that most people speak Don't English or rather French. Rather than German, rather than German. Candidate, and yeah. that German she just sounds like... The way she said that perfectly. It just sounds militaristic or very aggressive. It's yes. But yeah, so I, I watched the debate because that's so did the kind I tried to yeah. night I love. It said Eurovision. I thought it was the second round of the one from Tel Aviv, and then I came on. And thought, I no, that was Tuesday, Thursday, but the real the real Eurovision was <laughs> Wednesday night. Eurovision that was it. Yeah, yeah. And it was Deuce Point all round. <laughs> <laughs> How we actually, you can rate them. We won't go about rating them. <laughs> if anybody with oh no, we will. Ra- I have a list we of how I rated them. Have you? Have you anybody? Did anybody get nul point? Uh, we'll go oh, on. Come on, yeah. 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 Sorry, Ben. <laughs> go ahead. No problem. Uh, yeah, and then oh, of course they decided to keep it nice and interesting by completely switching out all of the candidates from the earlier debate. So you only had, I think, two people: Franz Timmerman and uh, Zahiradel, who were the same. And then you had Margaret Vestager instead of Guy Verhofstadt, and you had Nick Q instead of the other woman. Who's no, Verhofstadt wasn't there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You oh, had yeah, sorry, Margaret Vestager instead. Yeah. And then you had Scar Keller instead of Bas Eichert. And you had, they just switched them all around um, apart from two of them because that's what people need for when they're trying to engage in political processes for the faces to just keep changing. Every and then GUE had, I don't know, is gone. She's disappeared. Yes. What was her name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pronounce her name. I can't pronounce her name. That's why I. I uh, so I'm. I'm terribly sorry. She's from the Czech Republic, I believe. Keep going. <laughs> I, I'll find I'm her name. I'm digging this hole a little bit deeper, shall I? And then uh, I think they had um, uh, the last. And then of course Manfred Weber, who uh, wasn't in the Weberbot. Weber, yes. Weberbot. Why did he keep smiling at the end of every converse? At the end of every sentence? I don't know. Like he. He was very. He spoke very softly, and it's kind of pleasant to listen to. But it, it it was the kind of thing where you'd kind of expect like a train driver to announce over the like the journey is going fine and uh, like everything is okay. Yeah. Don't mm. worry about it. There's very little emotion when you're talking about. So you worry is, is is there crazy stuff going on and it's, he's, he's just going to go? It's fine. It's I think fine. it's just poor public speaking skills. Mm. To be honest, I I personally for me, I just felt that he was he was very flat, and uh, it's nice to listen to in one context. But I thought compared to someone like Franz Timmerman, who I thought was was a very good job because he knew when to uh, really bring out the emotion and he knew when to respond but he kept it very civil and he kept it very uh, on point still and I just mm-hmm. think that was a much in a, in a debate that's what I thought was much more effective than what I wanted to see personally he's being so coached Weber's being coached really he, he is he's lost office. he's lost a lot of weight as well I think mm. they've, they've made him lose a bit of weight and it's, it, I, I think he's uncomfortable I think and he's been coached a little bit too much yes you yeah, know yeah. and I don't think he's comfortable with his own persona that he's trying to pers- portray i think he was just trying to i think he was he'd be more comfortable letting go a little bit uh i, I that's the impression i got from him whereas timmermans was like yeah he's like a tiger 
Yeah, Weber very much sounded like I have to recite all of these things and get mm-hmm. all these points in and I just need to kind of get through them in a, a quick but way that is easy to understand. And it, maybe it is more effective when you're talking to, uh, you know, 27 different nationalities, 28 different nationalities and uh, however many languages and dialects and accents and that. Maybe it makes more sense to keep it that way. But as Violeta Tomic is your woman's name, by the way. Say that again? Violeta Tomic. Violeta Tomic, that's it. I yes. don't know. Is she from the Czech Republic? Or She's did I get that from... Slovenia. Okay, I got that completely. She was wrong. asked, by the way, Stella. Uh, Can we cut that bit out? <laughs> no, we up. won't. Really <laughs> she was asked about. Um, Apologies, Tom. She was asked about Ukra- uh, Ukraine. She was asked whether Russia should move out of Crimea, and she sat there on raw on Euronews for about what two minutes or something. No, it wasn't that long. It was about like seventy seconds, eighty seconds, and just said, rolling her head from side to side, and said, "I don't know." It's up to them in a democratic way. And they kind of looked at her and went, oh. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Do you want to phone a friend? (laughs) 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 She should have rang Nico. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really. But it was just. Maybe she had phoned a friend called. In in all seriousness, I think this is the problem with this this the whole thing hmm. they just should have one person for each block the, the idea of the Spitzen candidate and I actually got a chance to um, to ask uh, this question um, and we could talk about that a, a bit later but I asked about it and I think it was a response to make the EU appear more democratic because a lot of like the democratic deficit they say is because the European Commission which I essentially see as a civil service of the European Union has a lot of power but the European Parliament now like since the Lisbon Treaty in 2009 the power has grown you have got a lot more of that kind of democratic element in the European Union Union, and one of them was the Spitzen candidate and mm-hmm. making sure that they can choose who it is going forward because there's that um, there's, there's that link between the person who's president of the European Commission and the people that people directly elected in the European elections uh, but I, I think as we've discussed is it just doesn't seem to work well especially when one of the, the major parties decides to put forward eight people because they're protesting and they want a list system instead crazy where, yeah I mean it's not fair in a candidate's end because they can't get settled into the role exactly you know, she, Vesiger, looked as if she'd just been parachuted in there. And then she knows them all too well. So how can you kind of be, um, uh, you know, how can you be aggressive towards somebody you know too well you're working with on a daily basis? It's like me kind of having a go at Stella. You know, if I'm working on four or five different committees, you know, it's a bit of an act. Don't you just need to be yeah. seen to, to take it, a stand. Yeah, whereas at least... Just with, for the optics. Yeah. It, and it did feel like that it's, in the it's exactly what they felt like they yeah, because they disagree. worked together like Timmermans yeah. Vessinger and um, Weber they could have at least separated them on different sides and then yeah. you Nico down the very end uh, you know talking away in French fair play to him and at least he's he's the outsider but the three the other three were just kind of practically shaking hands with each other saying yeah remember when you did that one that was very good oh yeah you were yeah. great in that committee weren't you oh, fair play to you you know but anyway you still aren't good in that one you know and it was all a bit yeah, you know, uh, and then you'd like Sarah Hardy to kind of standing there, and he's his his kind of classic, you know, suit which he purchased, you know, for the night, and his hands in his pockets, being the typical conservative. Although I will say one thing about him was, though he did stand his ground, and he, he's a classic middle middle con, but he did have a make a good point about when they were trying to di- throw the dig at him about the uh, the neoliberalism and Trump and all that, and he did make a good point about saying, well. Maybe we should focus on on the Japan and Asia and all that kind of thing. 
So he did deflect that pretty well. I thought that was a good answer. It was probably the best answer he gave it the whole night. The rest was all kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think overall his performance was just was, very much... It was... It, it, it was very much, he, he was afraid to criticise the EU and just kind of kept saying, but businesses can do things more. as well. Yeah, or I we did, could, yeah. we could do. We could make it leaner. We do could you not do think he was protecting better. his position probably a bit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I felt that. Yeah, I felt that too. I thought he was maybe just kind of saying, ooh, you know, I'm just going to stay where I am sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they all they all did seem fairly afraid to to criticise and really come out with something, and and I think partly the problem was the the questions themselves were all terrible, very overall. very flat. Yes, and a lot of them were they were asking. I mean, they basically asked the question: Do you think big companies should pay their fair share of tax? I mean, what are they going to say apart from yes, I think we should? And you know, maybe they disagree on the way to do it, but they all agreed that yes, they should somehow. And Europe probably a has con- a role. It was to hardly play a that. controversial question. Exactly. Well, yeah. I'm wondering was that a, we? I'm wondering was that a language issue? Where they're just keeping the questions simple because... I think they're seen as the big issues in... like every, Everyone knows that Facebook has, you know, d- gets away... And Facebook and Google, they get away with not paying very much. And uh, e- even in countries where they're meant to be taxed, they're using the, the, the Dutch-Irish sandwich or whatever it's called <laughs> in order to avoid the <laughs> avoid the tax as much as possible. And, and that, I- that is a big issue. And, uh, you know, some countries are benefiting from the little tax they do pay and other countries are losing out. So I think... I don't think it was a language issue. I think it's just said they said it was an issue, but they didn't know how to frame it to get the candidates to actually disagree. Because I think they would yeah. all have... They're, they're, there is an approach you can take there, but I don't think that was the, the controversial issues and, and they kind of stayed away from the controversial issues just focus on the big ones that they all kind of agree on. Like they all agreed on climate change as well. They were all going to tackle it in different yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. They all think things should be done differently, but no one really got to the, the heart of that because they only had two minutes to speak and they couldn't sit out. You know, Scar couldn't say, you know, I think it's all about uh, investing in these new technologies whereas uh, and, and doing the carbon tax and no one really had the chance to come back to her and say, well, actually, no, we shouldn't do this and this, but we should do this instead. So they did. Yeah. It was all like, yes, something. They, all they had time to say was, yes, climate change is a big issue and we should do something about Which it. Which, of course, what else could they say? What else yeah. could they and say? You see, the pro- there's no process of elimination either. So yeah. what's happening with these debates is they're just kind of floundering between each other and then, like, You've got Bass Eichert one week and then you've got Scott Keller the other week. So no one can gear themselves up. There's no consistency. Yeah. Well, no, it's actually, there's no levels of, of, of scrapping. You know, so like, you know, when you've got like, say, in the American presidential election, you've got like three of them, then the other fella, ding dong, he's gone. Yeah. And then, you know, there's one against one and it's a big one. Yeah. You know, yeah. and this, this and is this is not. And then you have the repeat two weeks later. Yeah, in the town this hall is and this is what it's, this is what yeah. you what what Europeans want. Yeah, mm. you know, they want the end the, the end of it all. They want the EPP versus Aldi. Uh, it's the fight against right against left, mm. because this is what it really should be actually. And all this kind of mutual kind of backslapping is is what everyone's really moaning about. Mm. And here's what I'm gonna say, and I don't actually mind if people disagree. But the fact that we don't have a right wing element on that table on that floor is an issue. They should if 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 there's going to be something like this, you have to have all elements to make it, you know, democratically sound. Mm. Now, if they're not going to support it, well, then there's an issue. Yeah, I suppose it's that battle of not wanting to fan the flame of giving. I understand that, right but wing. but in order for there to be a president in a democratic situation. Everyone has to be on board. Mm. Even in you know, in all countries, there has to be. Everyone has to support the system. So the system is made up. That's my point about that. It's a made up system. It's not. It's not mm. working. In, in uh, it's not. It's not. It's, it's all of its wheels aren't on the ground. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think the the thing, the reason they need uh, someone from the right 
in there is because people tend to turn towards nationalism and these populists and the far right because they have legitimate grievances and they're just blaming it on the wrong person because demagogues come along and say, yes, it's all the immigrants' fault, even though it's not. Mm. We know that uh, overall immigration is generally a net benefit, particularly to countries where you have a brain drain or you have an aging population, but populists can get away with blaming it and then there's no one there to challenge them and saying actually exactly. no the problem is we're not investing in as much as we should be doing in schools in our healthcare system in our jobs for people from mm. dis- um, disadvantaged areas and we're not just or we're not just kind of saying you're like yes look yeah we are focusing on cities because that's where the biggest problem, they're not being challenged the they're going on is. to different channels like fox yeah. news or they're you know the russia today and they're, they're getting away with it no one's challenging them mm-hmm. and then they're appearing on facebook or wherever even further unedited. It's like when Farage went on to TV on the Andrew Marr show. Was it the... Yeah, Andrew Marr show, yeah. The Andrew Marr show. They even edited that further to make yeah. him look even better. So if you put him... If you put, say, Salvini's version, whoever their candidate is, right? This, You know, the way they're all trying to get together. I think they're trying to build up the EFDD. Mm. So if they were forced, or probably if they meant by... If they had to put a Spitzenkind of that candidate, sorry, Spitzenkind of that on the floor, well, that means then they'd have to, you know, come up with those answers in a, in in an environment that everyone has to do it. Yes. So they they have to come up with those answers, and then they they have to make sure that they have to have the right, you know, they have to do it in that environment, and then they're exposed, mm-hmm. like everyone else is exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the the thing there is the centre-right realise that they've failed and they've let people down in, in that way and that they, these people are disenfranchised yeah. under their watch. And yeah. so they don't want to go out and challenge them and say, actually, yes, you do have a legitimate grievance yeah. and it's kind of our fault because we ignored you because we'd rather focus on on bankers or, or whatever and, and, you know, myriad of other things as well. And I think that's one of the reasons they're afraid to challenge them, but also they haven't quite realised. They, they, it's easier to d- denounce them as crazy right-wing lunatics yeah. who are just yeah. racist yeah. or just, just wrong rather well, than actually it, engage it, with... Do you know what? If they are right, if they are, well, then let let the people judge that in the same environment that they can say for the loony left. Mm. Because there are some people who would probably say that Nico Q is, oh, he's loony left. But let them say the same thing for whoever the EFDD are going to put on that that floor on Wednesday. Yes. But we can't have an empty floor. It's it's never going to work if there's not everyone from each section participating. So... Although Nico went up there and didn't do the job, maybe. Fair play to the GUE for at least saying, well, we're going to do it. But what's worse about that is you, Sinn Féin don't even support the GUE in their spits and of that, which is ridiculous. So internally you have people within the GUE not supporting the G- their spits and of that. So, what, you know, mm. the, the process is wrong. It's, it needs to be looked at again. There should be just... If a block, if a block is putting... To forward a candidate, they should have a unanimous support of everybody who are in the block. And uh, they probably should, but I and there should be just one candidate. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I wonder how feasible it is in. Uh, in in Europe, because you do have wh- when you've got the the spectrum not just of a country but of twenty seven countries, and and they've all got their own version of right wing and left wing and their mm. own priorities. Welcome and issues. to European politics. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> everything is fracturing now, and that probably just is a reflection mm. more of the the opinions across the European Union. But that means yeah. you, maybe you can't get anything done. But I like yeah. the the hope, uh, the, the thing. I'm, I'm probably just misunderstanding how things work. But the hope is, if you put forward a bill that says you know climate change is an issue and here's how we're going to tackle it, you can get enough people from across the different blocks and the blocks doesn't really matter people either buy into it and they, they vote for it or you know they're in the pocket of big oil or they just ideologically opposed to it and they won't but hopefully you get enough people Stella, regardless of party to say you 
I spoke to Bass Icud, right? And he said to me that they have Scar Keller and himself as dual candidates because of a gender balance. Well, you're a woman, so how does that buy into you? Because for me, I don't know. I would just prefer if you have one. It doesn't so matter to me. I, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not particularly a fan of, of, of the, the, the gender quota, right, right or wrong. I, I do believe in the right person for the job. For you, is that, a bit, is that just party playing? Or? Yeah, or, or I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm on the fence, if, 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 I, if I'm honest. In, gen- in general, I don't, I'm not a fan of, of it, but at the same time, you've got two very good candidates there in a, so uh, supporting be, a very... Do you think impor- that's ju- deluting that then? I mean, they're both very good candidates, so... I don't know. Is is it is it two for the price of one? Is that better or how, do, how does well, that work, Ben? I, yeah, I, in other I, words, I, I like actually, I don't would know that actually can. dilute the situation if both of them were very good? How do they get elected? Yeah, I, I think mm. it does, and we've seen this problem, and I'm sure we'll get into it later with the Irish candidates. If you run two uh, good candidates, and people will will um, split the vote, split the vote, and it, it will not work. But the the, the main criticism I've uh, the best criticism I've seen of when you put forward a man and a woman to have gender balance is that's still not representative because you're still not taking into account you know the um, diversity of, of sexuality, of race, mm-hmm. of people who are and you're not representing people who are transgendered. Um, or, well, it's or a good idea that has been very quickly overtaken by society, which is yes. very quickly overtaken taking me again yes mm. like ideally the the european parliament overall would would represent society based on on race and sexuality and gender and whatever yeah. i don't think you can try and do it just with the the two having two candidates at the top yeah. just can i go back to just scar keller because we haven't spoken mm. about her i I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers now i do like her i think it's great that she came into politics at 27 and it's a tough game mm. and she came in in a tough role because the greens were popular in some ways and vastly unpopular in others i i was disappointed with her performance on wednesday i thought she was very one-dimensional she looked a little nervous i thought she looked a little stage struck she struggled as well in some cases she didn't she was aggressive but not in the right way i I was really i did i i wanted to almost reach out to her and say come here shake her and say yeah you're better than this come on you should be have better lines i i agree and i think that she talked a lot about human rights and talked about. Uh, but she I suppose, repeated very, a lot of words. Yes, yeah, she did, and she she was very one issue, and I think that's been the big problem with the the Green Party and something that they need to move away from in general. Because someone uh, I can't remember the exact um, tweet, but they said, "Great, we should stop talking about how we can." do climate action without hurting the economy we should instead talk about how we can change the economy without affecting the environment it was something along those lines so and that's what i think they need to, like bass Icott is better at that she's very good at getting the 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 core of the message and the kind of ideology across but we've seen how that worked with jeremy corbyn who can talk about ideology but has no actual implementation or good ideas you need someone who can come in and say look we want to subsidize solar panels and get them rolled out we want to invest in battery technology so that it makes all these technologies a lot more effective because that's better for you as individuals and as voters as well as her like helping the environment as well as helping the economy and the economy needs to change and technologies needs to change but when you're just talking about human rights and they, they did the the interviewers did really make a point of saying this in all of their questions is can you give us concrete examples and mm. i think that's where that it was highlighted that she fell down on that because people like franz timmerman and manfred weber were able to say we want to do this particular thing where she was saying yes we should stop you know going along with dictators or we should should be keeping human rights at the heart of things which is true but it's very abstract in a debate where other people are talking about i am going to do x or i'm going to do y and mm. that is a more concrete thing i think the difference between her and him 
is that she's very lefty and he's not. She's a little cold and he's not. And I think that can make a difference when you're in front of 500 million people or whatever their audience is because people say, oh, you know, she's a bit... You know, and I, uh, but I know this is, I'm just mm. being sorry. So, so much of politics here. is, though, about uh, the you see, uh, yeah, you see, this, this is what I'm trying to say. This is what killed Hillary a lot. Yes. You know, people kind of went, yes. she doesn't have that motherly look about her. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, you, you, you'd be amazed at how many people would say, oh, I don't like her. She's a bit cold. Despite the fact that they may be so competent and yeah. so good. It's yeah. The, it's the likability factor they talk about. Yeah. And, so and unfortunately, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. And yeah. it, me, it, it, you get that one shot, you know, and I, I was really reaching out for her. I was going, come on, you need to just throw a smile mm. somewhere in there. Or, mm. and I, I, I wonder, I wonder what's behind the teams mm. because also I thought, as well, I know these are all very trivial things, but unfortunately, these trivial things make a massive difference on social media. And this is where we are in these worlds. I thought some of the the, the, the way they, they were dressed as well makes a mad difference. Yeah. And I thought some of their outfits were very poor. I thought Margaret Vestager's outfit didn't do her any justice. I know, but this is makes a massive difference. It, it no, I hope you're going to talk about some some man who didn't have a very nice suit. Uh, Wait, ne- ne- I'm, not <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not finished. And again, I I mean, I thought that I thought that Franz Timmermans looked very good. I thought he mm. he had a great presence on the stage. Mm. He whoever dressed him, he had the red. He, had he the looked red better top. with a bit of a scrub scrub uh, air. Yeah, uh, a little bit of yeah. the the scruffy, He's got the socialist look, look the, to him exactly. Yeah. I, I thought Manfred looked. He looked. I don't know what about him. He looked tired. Do you know? And I think a lot. of I think it's a very European thing to maybe go in with this sort of smart casual look, but I don't think that can work sometimes. And I think that they need to look at that a little bit more. They need mm. to focus on how their candidates look. Having said that, I, I watched Bas Eichel last last time around. He looked very good. He looked confident. He looked casually uh, a bit trendy, dressed a little yes, bit sharp looked, and but on they, point, Didn't yeah. sweat. Didn't you know? Didn't look constant. His shoulders were nice and relaxed. Yes. You know. And I think this is very important because you you know people look at that and they go, oh, you know, that makes a big difference to to how they feel. I know it's a very American thing, but it is being transposed a lot over here, and it does make a big difference because it only takes like you know news media and all to pick up on this and start to push that and that's what kills candidates it killed can it killed hillary a lot it actually sh- it absolutely shouldn't matter and the culture should it change, shouldn't but matter it hasn't but unfortunately yet. that's what's killing yet yeah mm-hmm. you know but it's funny you mentioned audience and uh, social media there just I, I think i wrote down some of the numbers so they were quite happy with the fact that they had seven thousand people <laughs> watching on twitter and, and twenty eight thousand on facebook or youtube i can't remember which and out of 550 million Terrible. people i mean what that says to me is there's a very few young people i tried to watch it on youtube first of all i tried to watch it and the youtube feed wasn't working I ended up watching it online but I was not watching it on television I watched it on TV yeah mm. and that is the big difference so with those kind of numbers that says to me that that is not appealing to a young audience well I all. watched it on RTE News and it was in that little box on RTE News which is you know they have the news yes. channel yes. and it was on RTE News and there was like all the sports running down the side which was head wrecking yeah. so I ended up watching it on Euro News which was fine it was on HD News so it was grand but yeah I agree that's terrible numbers 28,000 on Facebook and 7 on Twitter is just awful yeah, and you know, I imagine that's people who were kind of watching at the time they took it. Like people would have been watching it for two minutes and then switching off because they weren't getting what they what they wanted. Or it is just you know the very few people who are going to who are very nerdy and want to. Well, maybe they should look at the next time round. They should do it in a town hall style thing. Mm. Put it in front of five thousand kids in in some university. You know, whether it be in Bremen or whether well, it be did, in Rome or whatever. The, the first Have they one, done that already? They, the Maastricht one was in Maastricht University. Right, okay. Um, so they, they did, they did do that. that. And that had better attendance right. from um, from the audience side of things, I think. But again, that, that was completely different people. I think you had Franz Timmerman there and 
you had, uh, but all the people were different. So then, mm. you I know, see. all the young people have seen completely. So they go to the ballot box. Like, who, go, the who the heck the is Marco Vestager? I thought I was put watching Kiefer Hofstadt. Put it in Schalke 04's football stadium before a match between Werder Bremen, and then they'll really all know about getting an audience. It could be the interval act of the Eurovision. <laughs> It'd be better than Madonna, probably. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I have to say, I don't, I don't like the the format. I don't think it, it, it inhibits them too much. I think mm. having two minutes to it's speak, not challenging, kind of weird no. rebuttal, and not being able to butt into oh, each other. You mean other. pulling out this little card and saying, "Hi, uh, I'd like to." Yeah, no, and terrible. I think it, and uh, the questions were bad. The topics uh, they were to topics weren't controversial mm-hmm. enough, and they couldn't really get a chance to explain what makes them different. They needed to do more on that. Uh, I don't know how they came up with the format. Maybe that is the best one to use. But for me, I was like, "You, I've." You didn't learn that debating much form- yeah, yeah, I've seen debating formats yeah. that would work better and would be more interesting and more engaging. Than well, I'll probably pr- look at the American debates. I mean, let's face mm. it. I mean, they are crack. Yeah, they, they are. But the, again, we probably don't want to turn it into the, the entertainment industry that American politics has become. I mean, <laughs> l- 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 let's face it. There's people be- beyond the uh, be- beyond the um, uh, Orion Nebula who are looking at it as, you know, the, their favorite TV show <laughs> or something. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. I know, but still, I suppose we wouldn't need to go that bad. But at the end of the day, I think they do really need to look at the the whole debate, I suppose. I mean, as Mm -hmm. I say, bring it down to maybe the one candidate per per block and try and get all the blocks involved. I mean, if the the EFD, there's no doubt about it. If it is going to be the EFDD, they are going to be quite large. So Mm -hmm. if they're not involved in the next one, well, then there's going to be a problem with that whole overall process. But it probably will give them even more of of a... a reason to say, oh, we're, oh, we're yeah. disenfranchised. Look, they oh, won't yeah. even give us well, a Well, they're going to say that anyway. They're going to say that anyway. So they need to pull them in by the bullhorn and say, and say right, you you're go. in or you're out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I don't think there's anything else on the... the, the I will say, I, I overall, I, I don't know if you're ready to move on to kind of ranking the, the candidates yet, but my, overall, my favourite, and particularly, uh, I think his closing statement really solidified it for me, was Franz Timmermans, because his closing statement was all just just go out and vote. I don't care who you vote for. Mm. Like This debate should have convinced you. Everything else should be convincing you. My job here now is just to tell you to go out and vote. And I think he just did bit, the best Maybe a bit too neutral for me. Okay. I would have preferred him to say, vote for me, I'm brilliant. Mm. But I because think I think he was trying to put across himself all the way through the argument. So go for the joke at the end, you know. I think he he, he was, was a bit com- too polite. My impression was he was confident enough that he'd proved he was the maybe, best. And so like, maybe go I and vote. Like clearly, maybe, I've done the best, but you, you know, can't say that. I'm a bit too humble to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Politicians are rootless. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I would have said, you know, that's what you're there for. You're there yeah. to get the vote. Vote for me. I'm the best. I, I, you know, I, that's what I would have said. Yeah. I think Weber Bot was just. <laughs> You know, he was just for me, like, you know, switch him off the end and just roll him away. Yeah, he, he definitely had uh, he, he had an aid or something backstage. He was like, yes, here's the massive tick list. You managed to get through 97 of that out of the 100. Yeah. You, you missed out three. So we're going to have to try that again and go you, take you back to the practice room and go through yeah. it all again. Mm. Which is not what you want when, when Europe is, when the, the, the parliament as such is trying to make itself more cooler in, in oh, a way. T- so you're, you're thinking, is that the <laughs> he's right He's not the answer to cooler. Uh, no. Yeah, you know, or, or, or accessible probably rather than cooler. Yeah. It's just... No, you got the word yeah. right. You just got him wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, he's definitely not the answer to that. No, no, no. He's, he's a nice yeah. guy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's oh, he's generally... Sure. I'm, I'm really probably going to say this. I'm not out to get the guy. I'm sure he's a very, very competent politician. And probably but would do a fine job for sure. Yes, but you're kind but of going, is he the best? He, he's, yeah. You know, I think maybe three years ago, he probably would have been a good man for the job. But I think they need somebody a bit more dynamic. He's a bit... Things have changed yeah, in the last three yeah, years. That yeah. they, 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 Someone with a, with a stronger personality yeah. and a, a more vivid or, 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 or visible uh, approach, if you like. Yeah, Vis- I d- visible persona. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we probably need to sum up. So your guy, who is your guy or girl? 
Fran- Franz Timmerman was, uh, I-, I think he did the best job. Uh, if I was voting for him, people directly, I'd be very tempted to go with him. I'm talking about all of the all whole of candidates because you probably, I know it's hard to say because you haven't seen them all, but based on who you would have seen. On who I would have seen, again, I've seen Franz in, in two debates now, still would be the person. I really like um, Bas Eichert and uh, Skarkel, I think, definitely has their role to play in that. So the, the Green Party, you're just kind of voting mm. uh, overall, will probably be my uh, my number two and voting for, for that duo. Uh, Nico and uh, Violetta, I have to say, maybe it was just a language barrier, but they seem to not be able to get the, the message across or be as concrete as the others. So I'd put them um, towards the end, and uh, I appreciate that probably is a, a, maybe an unfair thing uh, Manfred uh, Weber and Giva Hofstadt to me they're very much they want to keep things they, they say they want to change things but they very much want to play the politics and they want to keep things going as they uh, already are so I'm not uh, I, I think they did well they'd be credible they'd do the job well but I wouldn't put them uh, too high they'd be, they'd be in the middle for me Stella I know you haven't you've been on the boat and trains and all coming back from Brussels so you haven't been on touch of it but just ideally if you wanted to have a pick a commissioner what kind of background would you want somebody to be I think um, I think at the moment you would certainly need someone with that sort of a little bit of charisma and uh, and the, the likability factor. Sadly, it's it's what politics has become. It's become uh, you know, but and in that sense, I suppose you, you you'd look at Timmermans as uh, as as an ideal. So he's a social left. Though. Yeah, yeah, but um, maybe it's time for that. Maybe may, who knows? Who mm. knows? Um, Ideal, ideologically, f- ideologically, of exactly. course, same same as yourself, Ben. Obviously, uh, Scott Keller and Basai Couch from the, the Green Party. I think, I think, I, I think the Greens will. Their voice is very important to be heard. Whether that's in a sort of a slightly secondary role, because as you said, all the parties are are embracing the Green, um, the New Green Deal, as our as our <laughs> good friend over in, in America would say. Um, well, actually, we're not good friends. I just like to be her friend. <laughs> that's yeah, uh, Cortez. I but um, yeah, so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um. But I, I'd say uh, just on that, that, uh, that is ultimately what is what would sway my vote at the moment. I like we've got eleven years left until the planet, uh, as Bill Nye put it, is literally going to catch fire. Mm. Uh, uh, obviously not literally, but in some places, would particularly in Australia, in Australia, and in Australia yeah. it could well do. And we need to do something like that. I believe the Greens, even if everyone's going to do something, the Greens will do the most and the most quickly. Yeah. And I, I think if you know that is the overriding issue for me. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm I, I wouldn't agree with them on every single thing they do, but it, it, it's very much for me that these elections are a one issue thing, and they are going to tackle that issue in the biggest way they have to as you said it's it's it's, it's a short term um it's we, we don't have that long before the planet will be will be in serious trouble so yeah what about you ken probably i'd like to see a left green control in the in the parliament because i think they'd be a good counterbalance to the right mm. Mm. and i think aldi is disintegrating before our eyes contrary to what the federalists might think they'd love to see Aldi stay together but it's not going to happen this is why they're trying to get Macron on board and I don't like the idea of Macron becoming too controlled Close to in, in, in the parliament so I want to see a, a left balance yeah. and I'd like to see a green co- a balance I'd love so I'd love to see the N, the N, uh, the GUE get involved in some way with the Greens I know that there's a lot of your sceptics in there as well but I think that can be controlled so I'd like to see Tim runs with I could as second in command that Great. would be nice. I think Scar's nice, but I think she's not. She's not. She's not. She's not that the sort of person that would as dynamic be as. Uh, yeah, she doesn't like. She's she's good where she is. Yeah, she has a good role to play. Yeah, I know she's a massive role to play. Yeah, I mean she she would be excellent on on committees and stuff. 
So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see that. But I think the day of, I think via half stats, seen his turn. He should retire. Um, uh, you know, I, I, he's gone. He's, he's had his time. The thing that actually worries about me about him is he seems to be trying to be outspoken just yeah. to ca- gather more attention. Oh, he has him. Look, he has a massive support amongst you know pro Europeans and all. But the thing is, you know, he's he's done his bit now. You know, and th- th- like f- th- we're living. A lot of people are living in that Verhofstadt federalist bubble, and th- there are more pressing issues than the 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 unity of Europe. We, we've got to save. We've got to save the planet, as you say. Yeah. And yeah. the socialists, uh, the socialists are the best thing, the best entity to u- to line up with the with the Greens. Yes, because mm-hmm. the the European Centre is going to try and keep the status quo as much as possible, and that means delaying. Uh, Zahardi said that he wants yeah. to like draw it out. There's no way we can draw it out. We don't have time. The clock is ticking. Exactly. So as much as we want to do that, we can't do that. So they're going to push through developments in, in 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 renewables and stuff like that, and you know. Timmermans, Timmermans again is is the best chance we have of getting that through because the Greens don't have the capacity to do that on their own. They can't yeah. they can't control the Parliament just like the way they can't control the Parliament here in Ireland or anywhere else. Maybe I'm close to maybe in Germany. So the 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 socialists have the opportunity as well, maybe to get some influence in the Mediterranean, which is where it's vital as well because the Greens have no no control in 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 the Southern European states. So. Mm. If we can, if you can get the, uh, if you can get some kind of influence there through the uh, the socialists, that might work. Because Spain is a big problem as well. We have to think about Spain because Spain is going to suffer tremendously from climate control, uh, yeah. climate issues. Yes, uh, they're yes. on the periphery of, of 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 the imbalance as well. When it, when the clock ticks up, Spain is going to be one of the worst um, European countries to be affected by climate issues. And this is what people don't realize in Europe. They think, oh, it's going to happen in Africa, it's going to happen in Australia, but actually, Spain is going to be the first one. Yeah. So. They're on the cusp of a climb of a, a socialist government, so if we can have a socialist uh, element or left element more stronger in Europe, I think that might be a positive aspect. So hopefully, we can yeah. see that. And, and I think that's it's a, a long shot, but you know that's kind of a good lead-in to talk about the the candidates in Ireland and whether yes, we might con- contribute to that left government uh, from here in Ireland. So obviously, have uh, the three constituencies. Um, with the the eleven slash thirteen seats and fifty nine candidates going for them in total, so you were looking at this, Stella, weren't you? Yes, indeed. Um, we have just taking a look at Dublin first. Um, Frances Fitzgerald would appear to be a shoe in. Obviously, her her first time and uh, a long a long standing uh, Irish politician and uh, domestic politician. And Bit minister. of a history, though. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, but certainly, the stats hold. Um, she would certainly appear to be a, a shoe in. There is a battle I'm I'm seeing. Well, obviously, because it, it depends on 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 if it, if we get the, the fourth seat in Dublin, but certainly um, between Kieran Cuff and Claire Daly, they're quite neck and neck at the moment. Um, and in terms of, you would say maybe in terms of the transfers, is Kieran Cuff likely to be more transfer friendly? I don't know. Um, Lynn Boylan obviously is defending her seat. Um, you've, you've Barry Andrews there, they're in, they're in third and second respectively. So Are we um, agreed that Mark Dawkins not going to get in? I, 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 I don't I think, so. think Francis Fitzgerald will have enough to transfer to him. Um, you know, I know uh, over in uh, in the West, Mairead um, McGuinness obviously is going to try and bring home uh, Maria mm. Walsh, but I don't think Francis Fitzgerald will have enough to bring home Mark Durkin, who I know he's been parachuted in from the North but obviously he's a wonderful politician and has his own pedigree. Just to explain to our European um, re- no, listeners, s- yes, of course. maybe 
you can explain, Ben, quickly. Just Mark Dorkin is a yeah, so politician he, from the north from Northern Ireland. Yeah, fr- from Northern Ireland, he has sat in Westminster, so the UK Parliament, uh, in the past, but is now running for uh, a European seat in he Ireland. He was SDLP, wasn't he? SDLP, Social yes, Democrat uh, Liberal uh, Party. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, it kind of been parachuted in. His big message has been back the backstop, back the backstop. and. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, every, everyone's now so sick of Brexit slash they've yeah. moved on to other things. And mm. these elections, definitely, the fr- framing seems to be more around the climate action and mm. uh, the rise of populism more so than, than Brexit. So, so there's, his four, message there's is four seats flat. in Dublin and two of them are just suspended on the basis of the... U- is that right? No, one, 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 one is suspended one on the basis suspended. of the UK currently um, blocking the door. Like yes. two yeah. nasty bouncers. Yeah, so uh, as Stella was saying, I think you've got... Uh, Francis Fitzgerald is going to get one... Uh, Barry Andrews for Fianna Fáil is going to get the other and then it's really going to be because it, it seems to me that there's no other real candidates from the centre centre right or right fighting out it's all the left we wing we don't have right wing government yeah. we don't have right wing politics people of Europe and Ireland yeah. we do I, have I some right wings we'll probably go centre, through the inner city where it's in one of the, probably the most um, left wing constituencies I live in Dublin 8 which is that so it's no surprise to me because I see the sort of the, the those those parties Anytime there's a local election or a general election, um, so it's 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 an interesting observation that you know you're looking in on on it. But for me, it's no surprise because I see those. That's the way the politics in Dublin seems to we, be. We have a very strong going. left left wing in at a council level. Yes, and I think that's a good thing. That's where they're best at. Mm. Because when they get into a European level, they don't quite understand how the European Parliament works. They think that they can do things like fix roads and stuff like that and they don't quite because I, mm. I do listen to them when they're being interviewed and they're asked why do they want to be a European MEP and they say because I want to fix the roads and they don't quite understand that that's council. not the role and they kind of say well then you're better off being a councillor. Do you think that's a generally a, a bigger show role because the left wing in uh, in Ireland is fairly fresh you do get a lot of parties and they all seem to be focused on their you know the green party you know for focusing on climate change and independence for change focus on say housing and, and, and fixing local things so you you get them all being very vocal about one issue but then they can't attack they can't tackle anything else so then when you get them into europe where they have to deal mm-hmm. with a multitude of issues that are very different and not just talking about a local level they just that they don't quite know how to handle it that is the issue i suppose of, of being a one a one issue party mm-hmm. the greens i would say i would almost make an exception to in that sense because that is a topic that's been embraced across the board. Um, but, um, yeah, it, perhaps yeah, that is the struggle, that when they, when they, they go from the local issues, it's, it's, it makes it more difficult to sort of implement them on an on a, on a international level, I European level. I think the problem with the left in Ireland is that the idea of left-wing parties, when you look closely, it generally involves two or three people in each of those parties. Yes, and, you know, it's not actually big parties. It's just small parties of two or three people who usually got annoyed with another set of other two or three people and said, well, I don't like you and I'm going off and forming my own party. But they're, they're I- quite ideologically closely they're related. They're all exactly the yes. same, but they just got <laughs> well, annoyed. My version of, of They got annoyed because somebody policy. brought in Lion's tea instead of Barry's tea. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't red enough for them or something. <laughs> somebody brought in the green label instead of the red label, yeah. and, you know, or there should have been more red label yeah. instead of the green label. Yeah. So I think it's generally very subtle differences in each of the parties, which is probably a good thing in terms of <laughs> the politics, because if the red got together here in, in, in Ireland, we could have a very left government. Yes. 
there's a strong left in Ireland, but they are fractured. Hmm. But I suppose in the end of the day, we'd probably be we're probably healthy in that respect. But we don't have a right, obviously. You know, we just mm. don't have it here. Although, just just having coming a look at uh, Midlands Northwest, there is the the presence of a slight right oh, element. Are we there. talking about the nine percent there? Let's talk. Yeah, I know. Nah, that's, no. that's Ronald McDonald left <laughs> or Ronald McDonald right? Do you but think? Uh, I've often wondered. Do you think Ireland doesn't have a right because we? we Export our nationalism now as a social holiday and in the form of Paddy's Day. I suppose. <laughs> I, I think. I think is um, where immigration has been an issue in countries where, or the rise of the right has become a problem in countries where immigration is an issue. Be it the states, be it Britain, where there's been a lot of immigration. In the states, it's through wealth. People have all constantly emigrated there over the years. In the UK, a lot of people would have come from the colonies, even the Windrush, all that kind of stuff. And people are attributing suddenly um, all the problems of the world to these people who have been here and who are as British as you know. It doesn't matter what what your 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 skin color is. Whereas I think in Ireland, we have been a nation of emigrators rather than um, acceptor of immigrants. So I don't. I think it's only in the last couple of years that some people have been sniping at that. We've never had an empire either. No, our nationalism is all about Kaylee music and, and the GAA. GAA and all. But don't get me wrong; there is an, an undercurrent of racism in this country. But yeah. it's kind of like I hear your father. I hear you're racist now, Father Ted. Type of racism. <laughs> I don't think it's. I, I think it's kind of like people don't actually even realise they're racist half no. the time. Now, there, as I said, there is an element of it. Like, and there's, there's no getting around that. Mm. But um, I think every country has that. Uh, I think it's, it's possibly more prevalent just in some of the countries where you're, you know, in the States, you've got it's the, when the it Trump becomes, effect, you've got it's Brexit. It's when it becomes organised into a political party that we have a problem. Mm. Yes. And um, I think you have countries, say, like Italy or Spain, who are looking back at their history and saying, why can't we, be, why can't we have that again? Because they look at, say, failed idiots like Mussolini or Franco and say oh he was great because they're failures themselves and they think that you know they want to be like those idiots there are still people in the UK who say the sun still has never set on the British yeah, Empire because exactly. we still have they're morons. overseas territory in the yeah, Pacific or they're something morons. So. so that's 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 a different I suppose mm. that's a different type of you know what we're talking about yeah. here so um, so, so even, even to we see don't have that we've no. never had an empire yeah you know and and thankfully we don't have a right wing, a far right wing element, and no. hopefully that will that will stay out. And then I suppose there's there's a different type of far far right in Poland, which is probably a fear of say Russia or something like that, you know, mm. which might be um, coming back to say where they want to sort of a protectionism. So they they f- and then it's based on religious Catholicism as well, you know. I'd say it's also a big economic factor there Ireland has benefited it, it, the economy here is booming and we've seen a lot of people coming in flooding into the country to fill up the positions at Google and Facebook which have also come here whereas Poland has only ever seen people leaving the country to go and work in the UK mm-hmm. and in Germany and uh, and in Ireland and it's it's although it's been beneficial for them they have seen a lot of their younger people who may be the counterbalance of that leave and so you're just left with the people who are, are, are kind of left abandoned and angry and they I rightly I, I can see why they'd have the grievances I think it's misplaced but I can see why they are angry and you have the rise of the right wing there and I think it is gen- most of the time it's it's economic. So just taking a look at Midlands North West uh, poll topper here unsurprisingly currently is Mairead McGuinness. Super Mairead. Yes, yes. I mean she's uh, Just sorry. Do you not think she should have gone for Spits and Canada? Did she have the support from the rest of the 
parties in the blocks? Mm. I don't know. I'm just curious. I As a candidate, would she be in a strong candidate? I mean, if you look at all of them, they're all they are from the heart of Europe, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They're all the the the, the real Outlier contenders like are us. the the Germans and the Belgians and the uh, the, Dutch. the friend the Dutch, yeah, mm-hmm. the the ones who are, are there. The institutions are there. They they breathe. They live and breathe Europe. Mm-hmm. That's all they think about. I can't see you know no much. She's incredibly credible, of course, but mm. I, I can't see okay. just having the support. Maybe she should have done, but well, on paper, I suppose she. She would have been an ideal candidate, but yes. that's for sure. But she would have been an unknown, probably on the other side, on the other side of the of the Danube. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I, I think it or is. Or sorry, the Rhine, maybe. Yes, mm. uh, I think they're just seen as how can a tiny someone from a tiny little country do? She certainly would have got the vote from anybody watching questions. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. Okay, yeah. so moving on. Sorry for jumping but, in. Uh, but she's uh, she's currently on about I think twenty six percent. Um, so I would imagine Finnegale will be hoping that she can she can possibly uh, bring Maria Walsh home. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, you like, she's like, an unknown en- entity. Yeah, Walsh. she's very. Um, she's using. She's a young girl. She's using all the you know the, the social media. Now. That's for sure. And obviously has been an advocate for LGBT rights and, and things like that. And certainly perhaps in time. But it's she's former beauty queen, isn't she? That Rose, she's lovely Rose, girls yeah. competition. <laughs> It, um, it just going straight in as an MEP from never having served. Yeah, worse people wonder. have done it. This is true. This is true. Um, I don't think that should go against her at all. Mm. I think if she's if if having she served as a, a local councillor or, yeah. or national politician, is that what you're saying? Mm. No, I think I think she's going to be fine. Mm. I think that if, if she she's she's you know yeah. I'm saying there's some absolute lunatics have gone into being an MEP so you know yeah. sh- if she she gets voted in on the basis she has a track record hasn't she as a councillor yeah. yeah so so she's yeah. She, yeah. yeah she's she's she seems to be I've seen her campaigns I've followed her on Twitter she seems to be doing a yeah. decent enough job she's getting around so yeah Talk she gets to people, the vote yeah. she gets so the vote yeah. so that'll be, in, that'll be an interesting she wouldn't get my vote her. now to be honest but <laughs> yeah. you know she got a lot of backlash from the the Green Party. She put up a she whole did. climate change video. Yeah, and she did. The, the Green Party was like, "This is where, some guy. Where does this come from? You never mentioned this." Some before. guy put up things saying, "Yeah, great." Mm. <laughs> we won't go down that road. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, um, some you've a, you've a, you've a couple of the old reliable as well back in. You've uh, Luke Ming, Ming Flanagan yeah. currently in second, and Matt Carthy. So you. It's almost as you were, really, in this Yeah, I think so. I think it? so. Yeah. Now, the thing is, look, we need to talk about this guy here, Peter Casey. For our European viewers, Peter Casey is a guy who was on a TV show, um, Dragon's Den. Den, which is a kind of syndicated program where people are, come on, entrepreneurs looking for funding. Donald Trump is a famous former host. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a syndicated program as well. So he's, he was on the Irish version of that. And the, then he, went, he ran for our, our president here in Ireland and... He basically is a kind of a ooh, lunatic, really. <laughs> Can we use the R word? Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, he's mad. But, yeah, but he went on. He was he was kind of accused of being racist. He was kind of going against ethnic minorities. Look, we're not going to go down that road much. But what what was interesting uh, in terms of he he was in that presidential race, which was about a year ago now, less yeah, than a year ago. Yeah. He was trailing badly. Um, he was just maybe polling one or two percent. But he sort of went on a little bit of a rant about about one of the uh, the ethnic groups in Ireland. There was a debate about travel uh, tra- right. traveling groups, and uh, all of a sudden he ended up in I think second, second or third place, pla- yeah. second, second place overnight, which makes you wonder: is there a sleeping oh. a sleeping right wing element in Ireland? One would. Mm. It was such a difficult uh, situation race to judge, just because everyone knew 
Michael D. Higgins yeah. was going to get it and yeah. maybe they just wanted to do it for a laugh. I generally spoke to people who voted in the Brexit referendum thinking it would be a bit of a laugh that they could vote for a protest party. It's not a good idea. No. <laughs> but Don't take your vote for granted, people. It didn't It didn't bite us this time, yeah. but uh, yeah. I can, I I can see people wanting to do it in the European elections as well. Mm. I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere in mm. this. I think he's going to just pull around what he's got there. Yeah. Who's the last guy there? Brendan Smith, Smith Fianna 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 What's going on with him? I don't think he's... He's not figuring s- all, is he? To be so far down the the have been followed just so far down the the. They don't have a major big order. deal up there, though, do they? Yeah. No. Mm. Isn't there a green candidate somewhere around there? There is. It's uh, Sisha McHugh, um, who is. Uh, sorry. Uh, yes, Sisha McHugh um, is the the green candidate, but polling down at three percent um, oh. again. I think they're just less concerned with the, the, the climate change in that uh, constituency. Just, you know, they've got the beautiful Donegal coastline and everything. They can't see that changing. They can't see the impact mm. of that. So maybe they're, 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 that's going mm. to affect them. But at the same time, uh, I could be wrong and they could all go, you know what? Yes, we do need to protect this. And okay. we will take climate change seriously. But at the moment, no, far beyond, the, uh, far behind the uh, the leaders. And uh, it doesn't look like she's going to really make any big, Rush. she might make a little bit of an upswing, but not enough to get. Where are we going balance. next, Stella? We are going down south. Uh, so there's three sections in Ireland. Yes, this is the last one. And what's this section called? This is this is Ireland South. All right. uh, it's massive. So yeah. So again, you have a Fine Gael candidate Sean Kelly and an incumbent uh, topping the poll. With not not quite the same height of a, of a percentage as Maureen McGuinness has, but he's topping it nonetheless. Leonie Reda is currently polling in second place. Fourteen percent uh, for Sinn Féin. And I think it is interesting that she she does seem to have declined in popularity since her failed presidential bid. People definitely seem to remember her and uh, and don't think she's maybe it did hurt her credibility. A little I think bit. even though she blame, is a we can a blame her party MVP. for that. Yes, That's they didn't sure. even put their their logo on her posters that's right which when was noted was by the media wasn't when it she and was, was candidating she was for president so yeah. what does that say for them yeah yeah uh you've billy Callagher close behind he's gonna beat deirdre clune who's in fourth place mm. at 10 percent this time round because she she got through on shared votes didn't she last yeah. time round? so unless she, some of, she of sean like, kelly's yeah well if he can well he's on gonna on have to get a big margin there that's and it, it's quite tight there at the moment so that 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 could be an interesting constituency um, and that, of course, that will be one of the constituencies where there may be an extra seat. So we've also got there's also got a guy sitting here who's in our Irish Parliament, Mick Wallace, who mm-hmm. is a uh, independent. He's kind of popular in in down where that area is. Yeah. He's running for uh, for uh, MEP as well. So there's eight percent, um, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could he could uh, he could it's be quite a, a crowded field down there in terms of the, of a lot of them close to the uh, close to sort of the ten, eleven. Mm. There's a percents. There's not anybody else there though really figuring at all, is there? Malcolm Byrne, Sinn Féin. Grace O'Sullivan from the Green Party actually is, uh, she's uh, she's got a lot of credibility. She's been a senator, uh-huh. she's been a councillor, mm-hmm. she's uh, been an activist and, and climbed up anchors to get onto boats to protest uh, okay. fishing and, and, all, <laughs> and all. But people do think that they're, well, more so than the Midlands Northwest, they think there could be a transfer that could really okay. give her the boost mm-hmm. to get that last seat. Okay. Well, sure, look, I mean, um, that... Uh, it looks like there's there's not going to be any huge shocks in Ireland generally when mm. it comes to MEPs. The the only thing that we didn't have in the last time was that of the major parties, Fianna Fáil only had Brian um, Hayes. No, 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 no. Uh, Bri- uh, Brian, Brian Crowley. Brian Crowley, Brian Crowley course, getting through. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously with Brian Crowley going, he had a massive share of the votes in Ireland South last mm. time. Mm. So his his votes are up for grabs. 
Yes. Okay. So now that he's he's actually stepped down for health reasons, his votes are up for grabs. So there's probably going to be a, as you can see by that, 18% first place Sean Kelly, 14% Lena Reader, 13%. So obviously going down the, the line, that his votes are being split all across the board. Mm. So it's going to be a centre battle. Yeah, with, and, uh, with Sinn Féin uh, struggling now because of Nereida's drop, maybe. Or maybe she never really had that popularity to begin with. Maybe yeah. she's, this is a true reflection of her of her situation. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's it's interesting, though, just just wondering, was the obviously a little bit of a risk by Fianna Fáil putting two candidates there? Have they completely just split well, Crowley's vote? Because yeah. I'm just this thinking, is that's a 13-10 split. Had they just put Kelleher in, perhaps... Would they be looking at... Well, this is always the issue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a gamble, isn't it? Yeah, this is where Drops. they always give out to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Are you stealing... Because isn't there always an agreement where you say on one side of the this coin oh. and... yeah. And they then don't again, then if, if the fifth seat comes on board, perhaps it will have been a gamble yeah, worth, uh, yeah. worth taking. Exactly. So, but I think this this is a really good... A reflect, uh, more of a reflection on the fact that Cowley's votes are mm. were, were so large that they're all kind of spreading across the board looking for that. Yeah. So it'll be yeah. certainly interesting to see um, how that's going. That'll be the most interesting, I think, of all of the uh, the regions yeah. in terms of the results, you know? Yeah, I think it's also the most likely to get that surprise just because it is the five-seater. Exactly. It'll be the most interesting. There, there are a lot yeah. of people there yeah. floating around the bottom and who knows how the transfers could work exactly. out. Exactly. And like it, it, it's going to be a status quo thing, but the interesting thing will be, will Fianna Fáil have an MEP, in the, which is most likely they will, because actually, the one thing was they they did have an MEP in the last election uh, in the last uh, parliament, but they didn't have an Aldi MEP. <laughs> because although Crowley was there, he went, "I'm not sitting with Aldi," and he went to the ERC the last mm. time round. So it was all very embarrassing and confusing for uh, for Al- for Fianna Fáil last time round. So um, at least if they do get an MEP, he'll be sitting in the right seats. Yes. Of course, that's given <laughs> the fact. Given, of course, if Aldi is still around by then, because they've they keep saying that they're going to form a new super, yes, super liberal thing, <laughs> you know, super Macron liberal, Aldi yeah. Macron thing. We don't know what's it called. Is it been named? Yes, I don't. Uh, they, I think that's one thing that the whole European Parliament needs is just someone to come in and rename the parties because having th- being known by the acronym doesn't work, and then when you try and actually say the full name, it just takes too long. <laughs> they should all just be the pa- Party One, Party Two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just maybe just give them colours and we'll just stick yes, with that. Just keep things yes. nice and simple. Be like the red party, the green party, the yellow party, the red party. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's everything there, guys, isn't it? That's all that that we have on the Irish election. I think we've covered quite a lot of that. That's so. for sure. <laughs> okay. So, guys, we have everything covered. I think for the elections. Um, we hope you enjoyed your po- our podcast tonight. Anything else, lads? Get out and vote. Whoever you're going to vote for, it's your business. But get out and vote. Don't waste your voice. May. Make sure you're out there. Polls open 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. And bring a friend. Bring your mother. Bring your sister. Bring your buddy. But bring somebody along that is is iffy about voting. Bring them along. Yeah, just make yeah. sure. Don't let anyone give you an excuse. Don't let the weather put you off. Don't promise let them a, say cu- promise them a cup of tea and a donut afterwards if they come with you to vote. Now, guys, just before we finish up, um, we found this little thing online. <laughs> it's actually a friend of mine actually has uh, put me boy to this. Um, there's a song out there, and uh, it's called Vote for Friendship. I don't know whether you've, whether you've heard it. Uh, but we're going to give you a little blast of it. It's not a Eurovision song now, right? But, like but it's topical because this is Eurovision <laughs> week. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Do we do we vote this deuce point or nul point? Or we let the, let the listeners decide? Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to... Hang on a second. I just want to see what the story is behind this. Okay, it's called Friends Will Be Friends. I think it's a Queen song, isn't it? There's a very Queen sound off it, yes, I think. Yeah, yeah, the guitar is very Queen. Yeah, no, a. but that is a Queen song, isn't it? Friends it's Will Be friends. friends. Yeah. Anyway, this is a thing called Vote for Friendship, right? So, hang on, let me get the details off it here. 
Okay, so I've got to read this out, guys. It says, listen up. 30 artists from all 28 EU member states performing the iconic anthem of friendship. Yep. It says, many voices, one important message. Vote for friendship is a hashtag at the EU elections May 24, 26. So don't just sing along. If you agree that we are the best when united in all diversity, if you agree that hate and separation are not the answers but threats, if you agree that Europe is the core about... Oh, okay, we just played. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, we sing said... Sing along. It's quite singable sing along. He asked me... It? To, my friend asked... I'm not going to mention my friend because <laughs> but he asked me if I'd play Just look so up the author of the video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, it's, yeah, yeah. it's online there anyway. It's on YouTube. It's called uh, Vote for Friendship. Just look up the hashtag Vote for Friendship and have a listen. But I think we'll give it a little blast. <laughs> Here we friendship, go. if you know, it starts at the connections you have between two people. I'm not responsible for this, by the way. Countries. Now it's a beautiful day. The postman Somebody stole his number As a matter of fact You're getting used to life Without him in your way It's so easy now Cause you got friends you can trust Friends will be friends When you're in need of love They give you care and attention Friends will be friends When you're truly like the Lord That's all right, isn't it? What do you think? Yeah. Eurovision 2020? Friends will be friends! <laughs> Ken is the only one who can hear yeah, We have no idea what's happening. <laughs> That's not bad. It's all very. Um, it's very uh, Eurovision y, alright? Okay, that was Friends will be friends. We got me a little blast for that anyway. Let me thought we'd end up with that. So it's hashtag vote for friendship. I don't know what the story is with that. So check it out anyway, guys. Listen, we're going to sum it up here for tonight. Thank you very much for um, giving us a listen. Uh, my name's Ken Sweeney. I'm the chief editor of European United. And we've had Ben Hall. How are you, Ben? Good night. Good night. I'm uh, from JCI, Step Up for Europe. We've been encouraging young people to vote. Look up JCI, look up the Step Up for Europe campaign. And yeah, just get out and vote on the 24th of May in Ireland and 26th of May in most of the places. Ben, I didn't give you permission now to plug your organisation. Uh, you know, next time you want to do that now, right? You better start making donations. Y- you or mentioned it at the beginning. <laughs> Just recapping, it's been a while since the beginning of the program, just a little recap. Yeah, Stella has to get on a train now and go back to Brussels. <laughs> I'm going to roller skate this time. <laughs> She's going to row over to France first. And gotta, then. Yeah, we had Stella go Bass. Stella is available for singing Friends Will Be Friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, listen, uh, if you want to check us out, we are, of course, online. We are at europaunited.eu. Um, we're also on Twitter at uh, europaunited.eu. And we have a Facebook page, which is also europaunited.eu. Um, thanks very much for listening. I think this is our last podcast, unless somebody else wants to talk to us. We're more than willing to listen. Uh, thank you very much. This has been episode six. So don't forget to check us out when we finish. We should have the podcast up in a couple of days. And by the time we have finished, I think the Eurovision will have come and gone. Mm. So um, we hope you enjoyed that. So <laughs> if, you're, if, you're going to, if you're choosing between voting for Eurovision or voting in the European elections... Please vote for the elections. It's actually cheaper. You don't have, you don't have to ask for the bill payers' permission to actually <laughs> go vote in the, uh, in the election. So get out and vote. <laughs> okay, guys. Good night. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.